And we're going to let Pastor Jeff say it so I don't mess it up. <laughs> there you go. You got your come on. Okay. I was trying to get close to you. I thought maybe you might kiss me or something. <laughs> not, not in church. Not in church. <laughs> Public displays of affection. <laughs> this is my Bible. This is my Bible. God's written living word to me. God's written living word to Open me. Open my eyes, Lord. Open my eyes, Lord. That I might behold. That I might behold. Wonderful things. Wonderful things. From your law. From your law. Amen. Thank you. Well, we all know that today is Mother's Day, but you know what? I'm going to make it into a different day today. Will you let me do that? It's going to be similar, but it's going to be different. It's going to be happy you're a woman day. So all the women, raise your hands. If you're a woman in here, I want to see your hands. Happy You're a Woman Day. All right, guys, give them a hand. Come on, men. Let's get with the program here. (laughs) Give these women a hand. (laughs) Well, this is the perfect day, I think, to talk about this topic that I have gone to different places, gone to South Africa, gone to Ireland, gone to Mexico, and some places in the United States, and have been preaching this message. Some of you ask, well, what is it you preach when you go and do these women's conferences? But this is not a women's message. Don't get me wrong here. And this, what I'm going to be ministering today, is basically what uh, the message is that, that I have felt very compelled to bring. And we're going to be talking, if you've seen the title, today's title is Men and Women in God's Image. We could say Men and Women Both in God's Image. And what I want to do, though, today is put an emphasis on where God has fitted the woman into the earth. And both men and women need to be sure they understand this. So this is not a women's message. And men, when your woman or the women in your life or the women where you work are released to be everything God intended them to be, it's going to make your job a whole lot easier because they're going to be happy. (laughs) And you're going to have happy women around you, happier women around you. But when they're repressed, suppressed, oppressed, whatever word you want to use, um, then they're not going to be as happy. There's going to be a greater burden on the men. And you'll not, men, be able to be everything you were intended to be if a woman is not also everything she was intended to be. So it's a, it's a mutual affair here that, that in both cases, both men and women were made in God's image. And, uh, and we need to come to a realization of that unfortunately even in the church world this is a relatively new what we're going to talk about today is a relatively new concept uh, some of us have uh, been and if you come to church here and have been coming to church here clearly you probably don't have much of a problem with a woman being anything God's created her to be because as you know we have women in the pulpit here but some of you come from a background where that would be totally taboo, even yet today. Um, and there would be, and I mean, they've been told, who was it? Was it uh, Ruth Graham or Ann Graham that she got up to speak in a minister's meeting and all the men turned around their chairs in protest? Now, this has been a while, but it happened. So you see, this is in our day and age, you understand, and um, that, that, that women are still, even in the church, uh, there's, not a, there's not been a clear-cut view of who God originally intended uh, w- women to be in relationship to men and men to be in relationship to women. So let's start with this. I have, I've got some of these scriptures for the screen, I believe, and we'll start with Proverbs chapter 31 and verse 10. A great 
a great scripture for a happy Euro Woman's Day. <laughs> Everybody, any, any woman who's been in the church for any length of time uh, will know this verse. You ready on that yet? Proverbs 31, verse 10, as he, as he smirks back there and grins, and he says, sure, it's coming up any second now. We can do this. Has anybody turned in their Bibles? Proverbs 31, verse 10. Where's a microphone? Okay, who's got that? Somebody raise your hand, willing to read it. Thank you. An excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. Amen. That's one version. And another version says this. It says, who can find a virtuous wife or a virtuous woman for her, her worth is far above ru- rubies. And we've heard about this whole Proverbs 31 woman. And if you go down through there, I mean, this does paint an amazing picture of womanhood. A woman is multi-talented, multi-faceted, multi-capable. She's a mother. She can, be a, she can be a mother. She can be a wife. She can be a businesswoman. She can uh, uh, deal with money. She's an incredible woman. It's a great, Proverbs 31, 10 through the end there, is a great list of scriptures describing the wonderful abilities and strengths of a woman. But I bet you never think about this when it comes to a woman. And let's look at Judges chapter 6, verse 12. Do we have verses yet? They're still working on it. Somebody find Judges 6, verse 12. Anybody got that? And and honey, would you take the microphone and let somebody read that? Judges 6, verse 12. Now, you're not going to see the name, the word woman in this verse, but I'm going to tell you why it relates in a moment. Here we go. Everybody say it out loud with me up on the screen. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him, him is Gideon, by the way, and said to him, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Just a brief history. Gideon was, uh, there were, the Midianites were uh, coming against Israel. They'd been prevailing. Um, Gideon was in a wine press hiding threshing out the grain because if they did it in public, the Midianites came and stole it away. And so he was in a fearful kind of weak state, uh, threshing out the grain and hiding when the angel of the Lord came to him and greeted him with the words, Oh, you mighty man of valor. Now, what does that have to do with women? Well, here it is. That word valor is the same exact word as virtuous in Proverbs 31.10. The same word applied to a woman and the same word applied to a man. We could have, in essence, said in Proverbs 31.10, Oh, the Lord is with you, you mighty woman of valor. Or he could have said in Judges 6.12 to 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 Gideon, Oh, you virtuous mighty man. He could have said those words. He could have said it that way because it's the same basic Hebrew word. And this is what that word means. A force. Now that's pretty big deal, isn't it? To be a force, a mighty force, an army, virtue, valor, strength. It means that the person is able. It means that there's great force, might, power, riches, strength, and valiance and valor and virtuousness. So both men and women are a great force. They're both full of strength. The strong like an army. They have might, power, riches, and strength. So right off the bat, I want to point out to you that here we have men and women described exactly the same way. And neither one of them are weak. Both of them are equally powerful. Let's see comparisons of men and women and that'll be the slides manual the first couple of slides there there's an intro slide and then let's go to the first slide that that shows um, both the position keep going both the positions of men and women 
It's coming. It's coming. Keep going. It's coming. It's coming up. It's not coming up. All right, I'm going to keep talking till it comes up. So let's talk. Let me tell you about some comparisons of men and women in the Bible. We're going to start with the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, how many of you know there were prophets? Yep. And what did prophets do? They, they prophesied. How about this? They were the oracles of God. They spoke what God said to everybody. That made them a pretty important person. When you think prophet, you probably automatically think a man. But there were female prophets as well. So we might think of some of the men. I mean, our books in the Bible are named after some of those prophets. Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Isaiah, those were all prophets, okay? But there were female prophets. Didn't happen to have any books named after them, but Deborah was a prophet. She was also a judge. So that meant, I like saying it this way, that meant the men had to listen to her. Here we go. So um, go ahead and go to the women since I jumped that direction as well. So Deborah was a prophet and a judge. And as a matter of fact, she was the one that took them out to, in one case, took them out to war. And, the, and she asked, um, and I can't think of his name at the moment, but the man who was, was it Barak, asked him to lead the war. He said, no, I won't lead the battle, only if you come with me. And she said, well, if I go with you, then it's going to be said that the battle was won by a woman. But she did. So, I mean, I'm just saying, we know how Nathan and Samuel and Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and all these men, we know the mighty exploits they did. We understand how they spoke for God. But we haven't really stopped and realized that Deborah spoke for God. Deborah led the uh, victory in a battle. Huldah, we don't hear about her very much. And then other notable women, Esther, we know who Esther was. If it wasn't for her and her courage and her bravery, there would be no Jews on the face of the earth because they were going to be destroyed. But because of her bravery to obey God and, and do what was was what, something that might have destroyed her. She instead you, was used by God. Now, there we go. Here we come back. What about New Testament? Apostles and teachers in the New Testament were very familiar. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels. We know about Peter. We know about Paul. Did you know that there's also an apostle named Junia in the Bible? And the, one of the reasons you might not even know it is because in some scriptures it's translated Junius, a male. But you know what? It was originally in the... Uh, Greek, uh, uh, it was uh, a female word. It's not a man, it's a woman, an apostle named Junia. Mary Magdalene, was she an apostle? Well, there's questions to that, but the Catholics believe so. They call her the Apostola Apostolarum. And if I didn't probably pronounce it right, but it means the apostle of the apostles. And the reason she was given this name is because she was the first one who, after the resurrection of Christ, declared that he had risen from the dead. And then follow, and she also was a follower of, of Christ. So you might be able to debate whether she's an apostle or not, but certainly she was a formidable and important woman. Priscilla, a notable woman, a teacher, where in Acts chapter 18, Priscilla and Aquila were listening to Apollos teach. And the Bible says Apollos was teaching accurately the word of God. And yet Priscilla and Aquila went to Apollos to teach him more accurately the ways of God. So they say that when they name Priscilla before Aquila, that that puts her in the, probably the predominant position uh, of who was doing the teaching. Again, maybe you could debate that. But clearly, here was a woman teaching a teacher of God the more excellent way of what uh, was happening with Christ and, and the ways of God. Um, then we have 
men and women who uh, followed and were taught by Jesus. Let's go to the next slide. Let me see how I've got that up here. Okay, men and women who followed Jesus, keep going. We're just, again, we're very familiar with the disciples, but there were also women disciples. They named some of them. Again, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Susanna. It talks about how these women gave uh, out of their own means to support the um, ministry of Jesus. So they gave out of their finances. They earned money. These women somehow or another had money and gave out of their means to support the ministry of Jesus. And then, of course, we know about Mary and Martha, the sisters of Lazarus. All three of them follow Jesus. All three of them play a major role in what God wants to tell us uh, out of the word. They're all three named. Mary, as we all know, sat at the feet of Jesus to be taught when she should have been in the kitchen. Right? That's what Martha thought. That was, the ex- that was the commonly accepted thing of the day. Clearly, or Martha wouldn't have said, Lord, tell her to come help me. I mean, after all, they had guests. Somebody had to make the food. Somebody had to get ready for all these unexpected guests and feed them, right? They were hungry. It was the thing to do. If you have people come to your house, you go figure out if you have anything in the kitchen to feed them, right? And so, or you invite them over and you have food planned. And so here's Martha rightfully rightfully saying, come on, tell Martha to come help. She should be in the kitchen. But Jesus' comment to her was, leave her alone. Mary's chosen the better part to sit at my feet and learn. Amen? So she was a disciple. Let's keep going. Let's see what I have next here. Then there's how Jesus treated women throughout the Gospels. And before we start looking too much at that, let me give you a little prelude to this and a little understanding. The social standards of the time when Jesus was walking the earth was that the Greeks and Romans held uh, an opinion that women were inferior. They, they, they were fools. They didn't matter. They were property. They were just there, you know, to do what women do for men. And as Judaism developed, its regulations became more and more male-biased, more and more like the philosophies in the Greeks and the Romans. Jewish girls weren't even allowed to go to school like the boys were. The rabbis would not teach them and even went so far as to say it was evil to teach the girls. This is the society and the culture into which Jesus came. So when we see how Jesus treated women, his way of treating them was truly revolutionary. So let's look some more now. Okay, so first of all, he taught both men and women. We just talked about how what he said about Mary sitting as, at his feet and learning, just like the guy, the boys would do learning at a rabbi's feet. He directed his ministry to both men and women. He healed an unclean woman who sought him in the crowd and healed a blind Bartimaeus by the roadside. He healed the man with the shriveled hand on the Sabbath. He healed the woman crippled for 18 years on the Sabbath. He raised to life a widow's son. And he raised to life the daughter of Jairus. Keep going. How did Jesus treat men and women? He balanced the parables with male and female activities. The kingdom of God was compared to a mustard seed that a man planted and also yeast that a woman mixed in her dough. He coupled illustrations and pairs, enabling easily uh, to identify with for each gender. There was tax collectors and prostitutes. There was Jonah as a sign and the queen of the south as a sign. There was two men in a field and two women grinding. Go ahead. Keep going. 
he addressed mixed groups using what's called complementary discourse. This is a term used to refer to the repeating of statements twice, changing the gender each time in order to make application to each sex. So he would say men and women, husbands and wives, fathers and mothers, sons and daughters, that sort of a thing. Go ahead. Would you agree with that statement? Even just, even just based up, not that one. What happened there? <laughs> okay, let's try that again. Based upon just what you've heard so far, would you agree that Jesus' treatment of women elevates women to equality with men? And we're going to look at just as God originally planned in the beginning. I think so. I believe so. The last thing I want to look at before we go back to the beginning and see in the beginning, there's another scripture manual in Acts chapter 2. Do we have that? I'm really keeping him busy today. Acts chapter 2. This is a New Testament scripture. You know, Pastor Jeff's been talking about the promises of God and telling us, but there's only one promise that was called the promise. How many of you remember that? There's only one promise called the promise. Do you know what that is? We, we know what, what, why? Okay, hello, is anybody here today? Does anybody know what the promise is? Okay, we're going to go back and listen to the Pastor Jeff's last series. <laughs> the promise from God is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Rick. It's the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It was on the day of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that we, the Christian church was founded. The power of God came, and the Holy Spirit came into the believer and empowered them and, and enabled them to go out and do the works of Christ. So are we ready with that scripture yet? We don't have it? Acts 2, 17 and 18. And I think I'm going to go back to, let me just read it to you. Acts chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. You're familiar with this. It says this. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy. On the day that the promise came, there was no prejudice. It wasn't poured out only on women. He wasn't poured out only on women. Neither was he poured out only on men. He was poured out on both men and women. The power and presence of God, the same power, the same presence of God, the same abilities of God, the same identity in God, the same righteousness of God, the same glory of God was not limited to one gender or the other, but came for both genders and aren't all of us glad. I mean, wouldn't you men feel a little bit bad if the Holy Spirit only had come upon the women? Boy, where are you all today? Do I need to make you stand up and jump around a little bit? Hello. (laughs) Okay, men. Would you feel a little bit bad if the Holy Spirit had only come upon the women? Thank you. (laughs) 
Let's go back to the beginning. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. I'm going to have you turn in your Bible. I'm not going to wait to see if it comes up on the screen. Genesis 1, 26 through 28 says this. So we're, we're going to go back to the beginning. We're going to look and see what did God originally say about men and women? What was the original creation? You know, when we were redeemed by Jesus Christ, what did he redeem us to? Do you know, Doug? What Jesus redeemed us to? To the original plan of God. Thank you. When Jesus redeemed us, he not only delivered us from sin, but he redeemed us to the original plan of God. That's why we believe we can be healed. That's why we believe we can be prosperous. That's why we believe things we should have peace and joy. Is because not only did Jesus redeem us from sin, but all the results of sin. Do you think that all the bad stuff is from God? No. He came to redeem us from the bad stuff. He came to redeem us from fear. He came to redeem us from sickness. He came to redeem us from split relationships. He came to redeem us. He redeemed us back to the garden. That's what we have at hand. That's why we fight the good fight of faith. That's why we pray, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Because it's possible. But we're fighting a good fight of faith to see it manifest in our midst. And of course, we won't ultimately see it in our midst until either Jesus comes back or we get to heaven. That's when we'll see it ultimately. But until that time, Jesus is, we're, we are responsible to work with what's already existent, what's already possible, and bring those things into the earth. How many of you have had financial miracles? Amen. That's because of the redemption of Jesus Christ. How many of you have had healing in your bodies? That's because of the redemption of Jesus Christ. That's because that's the way it was in the garden and the way God originally intended it. Likewise, there was an original intention for men and women. And let's look at it. Genesis 1, 26 and 28 through 28. It says this. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them, everybody say them, them. have dominion. Over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And then was the end of the sixth day and God saw all that he had made. And he said it was No, he didn't say it was all good. He said it was very good. As a matter of fact, the rest of creation he called good. It wasn't until he created man and woman that he said it was very good. In these scriptures, I see that both man and woman is created in the image of God. That neither man nor woman were subservient to either one. That neither man nor woman were inferior. And I want to say this. Do you understand that it takes both man and woman to see the image of God? If all we have are women, we are not going to see the full image of God. If all we have are men, we're not going to see the full image of God. We have to have both to see the full image of God. Now, think about this where it said, and he told them to multiply and fill the earth. Guess what? Does it not take both man and woman to multiply and fill the earth? Does it take their likenesses to multiply? 
Let's just get physical here. Does it take their likenesses to multiply? No, it takes their differences coming together to multiply and fill the earth. I want to submit to you then it takes both man and woman and all of their differences to come into the earth and take dominion and subdue it. I don't have to be like a man. And a man doesn't have to be like a woman. A woman shouldn't be like a man. And a man shouldn't be like a woman. But they should both be equally empowered. Equally respected. Equally honored. Equally esteemed. In order to, and to understand the value of both men and women. Not one or the other. Not that one is subservient. I said subservient. Not one is subservient to the other. But let me tell you what. All our problems would be resolved if we would all serve each other. If men would serve women and women would serve men. All of these issues would just go down the drain. But not be subservient. There's a difference about being subservient. What about the fact, Nina, that God created woman to be a helpmeet to the man? Well, let's look at that. (laughs) I'm so glad you asked. Okay, Genesis chapter 2, verses 19 and 20 is where we find that word helpmeet. And I'm going to read out of the New King James Version. And and helpmeet is found in the King James. But it says in verse 19 of Genesis 2, Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not a helpmeet found for him. But the New King James says this, There was not a helper comparable to him. So let's look at this word help meet or a helper comparable. Helper comparable is the is a good a good translation. This word help meet comes from two Hebrew words. I'm not going to pronounce them, but the first one means to surround, to protect, and to help. That's the word for help. To surround, protect, or help. The Hebrew word for meet means corresponding to, counterpart to, or equal to and matching. So, here's the definition. I'm going to read it to you. Of When you put those two words together, this is how it looks. The traditional teaching for the woman as a helpmeet is that of an assistant or helper subservient to the one being helped. This definition would appear to line up with Strong's definition of the word. However, if you look at the context of every other use of these Hebrew words in the scripture, you will see that they refer either to God... Or to military allies. In all other cases, the one giving the help is superior to the one receiving the help. That's the word help. Okay, not the second word, meet. The word help. Wherever it's found, it's referring to God or military forces. And it's a superior helper, not a subservient helper. When you add the Hebrew word for meet, that modifies the meaning so that it makes it equal rather than a superior status. (laughs) Let's see. Let me see what else it says. So this word that for the word help is referred to um, one time, no, pardon me, twice in the Old Testament to refer to a female and the remaining 14 times it refers to God. For example, in the Psalms, when David says, the Lord is my helper, he's using the same word we see there. In Genesis. Now, does that change the meaning of the woman is a helper?
comparable to the man. Does that change, from my traditional view, does that change the meaning of help me? Yes, absolutely a woman is here to help her man. But as an equal, not as a subservient one, not as an inferior one. Well, Nina, what about the fact, aren't men supposed to rule over women? I'm so glad you asked that question too. So turn to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 16. Now remember we talked about that what Jesus came to do was redeem us from anything after the fall. The curse that came after the fall. So Genesis 3.16. At this point in the scriptures, they have eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they, have, they are naked. And they were always, do you realize they were always naked? <laughs> but they weren't ashamed. It didn't matter. Everybody had high self-esteem back then. We're all good. <laughs> but then sin came in and they said, uh-oh, something's wrong here. And they covered themselves up, hid from God. The covering themselves up is just an outward way of hiding from God. I mean, that, it, was the, it was the thing of, I can't see God like this. So we'll cover as much up as we possibly can because inside I know that I've done something wrong. And, and I'm filled with this shame. And that's what Jesus came to redeem us back from. Not to say that we're now all to run around naked. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. <laughs> but, so in Genesis 3, uh, 16, this is after the fall of, of Adam and Eve. And this is when God is saying what's going to now happen. And he says um, this about three sixteen. He says, to the woman... I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. That, I'm sorry to say, is part of the curse. It didn't happen until after the fall. And so, once again, this is not... A a husband and a wife are not about hierarchy. They're about serving one another. Even if you read in Ephesians chapter 5 about the woman submitting to the husband and the man laying down his life for his wife, first of all, 521 says submit to one another. Then it says women submit to each other. Then it says men lay down your life. And when I think about what the meaning of submission is and what the meaning of laying down your life is, don't you think they're kind of the same? I'm thinking so. I'm thinking that they're both talking about, if I were your wife, that, honey, I am here to serve you. I want to help you succeed. What do I need to do? How can I better your life? How can I be here for you? How can I get you out there to be everything you want to be? Whatever that might be. If you want to be at home and then, and do volunteer work after the children are grown, I'm here for you. Whatever it is. If you want to go become an executive, I'm here for you. You need to go to school, I'm here. Let's figure out how we can make it work. And then, I'm not a man, but if I were your husband, I'd be saying, honey, I am here for you. I am going to lay down my life for you. And do you need to go to school? We'll make it work. Maybe I need to get a job so you can go to school. Whatever it is, you know, vice versa. I'm backwards. I'm a woman. I'm thinking the other way around. But so the point here is this, is that whether you're a man or a woman, we're here to serve the other. We're not here to dominate or have some sort of hierarchical control. That's not Bible. Bible says... We honor one another. We love one another. We both, in our 
fullness of who God made us to be represent the image of God. I want you to look at Genesis chapter 3, 15 with me. And that's definitely, you don't have that one manual unless you just pull it up. Genesis three fifteen. This is, again, after the fall. And I want, you, I want you to say, you know, you might say, well, well you know, I don't know. What about, what about all this that's gone on? Why? So if this is what the Bible's always said, why didn't we see it this way before? Well, I'll tell you why. You asked another good question. Thank you so much. Let me answer that for you. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. <laughs> again, after the fall. And he's saying, and God's saying this to the serpent. And I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. It says, I will cause hostility between you and the woman. And between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. I personally believe that at that point, Satan said, I've got to pull down the woman. I've got to kill her. I cannot let her succeed. I cannot let her seed come forth. And he not only did he go around killing babies in the Moses time and in Jesus time in order for the king of kings and the Lord of lords not to come forth. Ever since Genesis 3.15, he's been saying, woman, I am putting you under my thumb. I am using this thing that, that, we, can, that we can misinterpret how God wants things. And we are going to put you under our thumb. And these men, they're not going to rule over you with kindness. And they're not going to rule over you with service. By the way, a leader is the servant of all. Amen. So, I mean, even men, if you want to be the head, that in a traditional sense, what is a head? A head is a servant. Amen. I'm just being brief. So, he, Satan has been out for women from the beginning. So, a patriarchal society started up. And that's the way the Old Testament was. And that was the way, it, under the, again, under the Old Covenant, we have this patriarchal society. Well, you know, a patriarchal society understands things from a man's point of view. And so a lot of things came into the earth during this, all of this time. And, and, and a lot, just in Jesus, like in Jesus' day, the girls couldn't be taught. They were uneducated. They were considered property. They were considered no more than, you know, they, it was evil to teach them. I mean, there's many quotes we could come up from the rabbis that I didn't bring with me that could tell you what they thought of women and how demeaning they were towards women. But you see, that was never God's original plan. That was Satan's plan because he didn't want the seed to come forth. Now, you know, God didn't speak to the man, say to him, the enmity is going to be between you and the man. He said the enmity is going to be, the hostility is going to be between you and the woman because the woman bore the seed of Jesus. There is an extra effort against women, I believe, and has been for all time. But Jesus came to redeem us from that. He came as to redeem us from the curse of the law. It is a curse for women to be demeaned and inferior and subservient. It's a curse. It was never meant to be that way. It was always meant to be men and women with their likenesses and with their differences coming together as one, both being valuable, both in God's image, both creating the image of God. You know, when you think about the body of Christ, and we all know 1 Corinthians 12 says, well, the eye can't say to the ear, I have no need of you. You know, the ear can't say to the eye, I have no need of you. We all realize you wouldn't be a total body if you didn't have all the parts. And thus, without every body here, we don't represent the body of Christ. We only represent a piece of Christ. 
I represent a piece of Christ, but with you, I resent, represent, we represent a greater whole of what Christ looks like. To represent the image of God is very similar. You have to have both men and women. You can't have men or women or women or men. Now, there's one last thing I want to bring to your attention that maybe some of you don't even realize about this attack that's come against women over the ages. In the last 20 years, there was a demographic study done, and the New York Times published it. And they discovered that there were 100 million women missing from the face of the earth. Let me say that again, 100 million, not 100 women. 100 million women. They, just, they, they were able to look at how many should be in the earth, how many births there should have been based upon demographics. There were 100 million women missing from the face of the earth. And this has primarily happened in foreign countries where there's things like honor killings, where there's things like, um, well, we're only allowed to have one child, and so um, we're going to abort the girls because we prefer to have a boy. There are things like, we only have so much money, so if our little girl needs medical help, we're not going to put the money out for it. But if our little boy needs medical help, we will put the money out for it. So a, little girl, a lot of little girls died by the time they were the age of five. You think maybe Satan has, has it out for women? That a hundred million women would be missing on the face of the earth. If we don't allow women to become everything that God has called them to be, you know what happens? We only have 50% of mankind fighting Satan. We only have 50% of mankind declaring the gospel. Don't you think Satan likes that idea too? Let, let's, let's, just, let's, let's put a different image on what the woman should be able to do. She's supposed to be quiet, demure, Thank you. I have a quiet spirit. Listen, there's a time for women to be quiet. I know that. There's a time for women to be submissive. As there's certainly always, every day, uh, is the time to be respectful towards towards your man, especially, and, and other men. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, if we didn't have men in the earth, we women would be, we'd be suffering. We'd be suffering. We need these guys. We need, we need how God made them. We need their logical thinking. We need the fact that though they're not multitaskers, <laughs> that they focus. We need somebody to focus in our lives when we're scattered all over the place and can't seem to bring it all together. And we go and tell our husbands, our first inclination might be, I don't want to hear all those. I don't want to hear you telling me what to do. I just want you to understand. But you know, really, we might near, need to hear something he has to say about what to do because we haven't been able to pull all the facts together to figure out what to do. I happen to also need the physical strength of a man. Thank you so much. <laughs> and height. Height is good. That one works for you. <laughs> of course, these are general characteristics uh, of men and women, of course. But there's been an attack against women. And we, as the body of Christ, we've got to do our part. There, I just want to read here how this, uh, how this says it, if I can find it here. The enemy has come... Not just to attack the women, but to attack the image of God. Does that make sense to you? By, by putting woman in some inferior position and saying that, well, you all know, he's come to attack the image of God. 
you think, you know, we hear a lot about women needing to find their identity, women feeling inferior. And, and it's, a, it's, a big, it's a big deal. It's a big epidemic, if you will. It, it is huge. It is huge. Now, I want you to know something. Men have inferiority issues as well. Men have low self-esteem as well, but they carry it differently and they deal with it differently. But I believe that a woman's sense of inferiority not only comes because of the circumstances of her individual life, people maybe abandoning her, leaving her, treating her bad when she was a child, maybe she was molested, all, whatever many, I mean, I didn't have all those horrible things happen. All I had was that my mother said all these great things about my older sister and would care me, care, compare me to my older sister. And so because of that, I became, felt inferior. I know nobody believes I've ever felt inferior, but I used to. Okay. <laughs> and so, um, you know, even that little thing got into my spirit and made me feel like I was never good enough and I could never measure up. And, you know, my mother loved me. She didn't know what she was doing. She wasn't intentionally putting me down. She was just trying to get me to obey and sit still and get my hair brushed, you know, that's all. So I had a good childhood, but even in that good childhood, there were things that made me feel inferior that I had to deal with when I grew up. And many of you have gone through far, far, far worse. But it's not only those things that makes a woman feel inferior. It's Genesis 3.15, that makes women feel inferior. And until we deal with Genesis 3.15 and Genesis 3.16 and realize and go back to Genesis 1.26 through 28 and say, wait a minute, both men and women were created in God's image. We need them both. Until that's settled, even your individual issues of healing that you might need in your life because of your past, those aren't going to get totally dealt with until the foundational problem is dealt with. They both have to be dealt with. They both have to be brought to the cross of Jesus and look for the answers. Okay, one more verse. And I kind of like this verse because it speaks so much about the power of women, but it also speaks to this issue I just realized in the last two days. Do you know how many of you men think women don't raise your hand? I was going to have you raise your hand, but then you'd be in trouble. How many of you think women sometimes just talk too much? Well, I've got a scripture for that. <laughs> Psalm 68:11 in the Amplified says this: The Lord gives the word of power. The women who publish it, who bear and publish the news are a great host or a great army. Now see, for empowerment purposes, that's awesome. We get the word and we're supposed to go out there and publish it like an army. But that means we're talking. He gave us a voice. Amen. <laughs> Why don't you stand to your feet with me?